Welcome to the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. Here are your hosts, Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, and Nick Shook. And we welcome you into the best podcast available. We are back after being off for a couple days. We were hardly off. The podcast was off. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Nick Shook. He's Andrew Gribble. We played a preseason game, and we won. I'll take any win we can get. 30-10. to 10. Browns beat the Washington Redskins last night. Uh, today, everybody back in the building for a practice. Might be the first time in the 16-plus years I've been doing this that they had a practice the day after a, a, a game. You know, I, a couple college teams I covered used to do this. Really? It wasn't open to media or anything like that, but some teams, I think it was Auburn when I covered Auburn, they used to like to get back on the field the day after a game, a real game, like not even a preseason game. Uh, they, I think they would just go through some stuff for about an hour or two and then have a, some media availability after it, and then they would be off on Monday and then resume their schedule on Tuesday. It'd be, it'd be that, so some some people do it. It's just not, not, not all that common and has not been common around here until this year. No. But Freddie Kitchen's made that clear. Doesn't care what, what used to happen here. Correct. Yeah, there's something to the science of getting your body moving again the next day to prevent long-term soreness or something along those lines. Uh, I, I, I know it's – Common to get some type of activity in a full practice, maybe not so much. But this wasn't quite a full practice, so I, I already used this material earlier today. But I'm going to go back to it. It's I, I call this the hair of the dog theory. You know, best All way right. to best way to get rid of your football hangover, more football. Could use a little breather, Fred. <laughs> we could have used a little breather. We. Not necessarily you guys, but they did get some work in, and we'll, we'll, we'll quickly touch on that here in just a few moments. Obviously, though, the news of the day, uh, and that is the suspension of Antonio Callaway, uh, suspended without pay for the first four games of the 2019 regular season for violating the NFL's policy and program on substances of abuse. Uh, Callaway, who... Definitely didn't win anybody over when he first came to camp, but has since played and practiced very well in the last week, week and a half. Just uh, just another setback, unfortunately, for the second-year pro, and now he's going to miss the first quarter of the football season. Gribble, uh, a, a takeaway from you on this. Yeah, it's just unfortunate because I think it, if this was in an isolated bubble, it w- we wouldn't be making too much of a deal with it, but this is the kind of stuff that's kind of followed him throughout his career and the reason why you got him in the fourth round as opposed to maybe the first or second round type of talent that he was uh, coming out of Florida. So this is part of the the calculated risk. But I, I think that this the staff has shown a willingness to get behind guys that are, are uh, show the commitment to getting better and not letting these things happen again. Uh, and now it really is – it's all about actions. I mean, it's from a football standpoint, it's a pretty significant loss, not a devastating one because you have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins and names of many others receivers on the team. You'll be fine from a football standpoint. You'd love to have him. He's a talented player. And really he – it's just hurting himself. I mean, that, I think he understands that. And uh, hopefully when week five comes around, he's got head on straight and narrow and ready to contribute to the team because they they'll, they'll find ways to use him. There's a, there's a section of football Twitter that uh, loves to harp on Antonio Callaway's potential as a number one receiver in terms of talent, and I think we see flashes of that. We've definitely seen it at times in camp, especially when he runs with the twos. He's clearly the best option on the field, and he's made some plays. He made some plays last night, and uh, so the talent is there. It's just a matter of keeping him on the field, so it is disappointing, but 
again, you know, he has demonstrated to the people in charge here that, that you know, he's working on himself and becoming a better person. And, and there's no better way to do that than to have the guidance of people who are in charge of a, you know, a high-level organization like an NFL franchise. So while he be, he'll be missed for four games, uh, in the long term, I don't think this is something to really uh, shed a lot of tears over because he should be on the, on the right track. Two years ago, this story would have been huge. Massive. This would have been big, big news in this building. We would have been going, what are we going to do at wide receiver? Right. And right now, I mean, th- there are seven or eight guys competing for spots, and now there's an extra spot open because of the suspension for the first four games. Uh, I, we, you look at it and you just go, wow, how far have we come? I mean, we, we went through this once before with another guy, and let's hope it's not to that level. But it, it's amazing, and it just speaks to the depth and the building job that John Dorsey has done that this isn't a bigger story. Right. I mean, this is a – when you look at this, this, this obviously hurts the Browns, but this hurts Antonio Callaway more. A couple of years ago – this might have been this hurts the Browns more than it hurts that individual player. And I think we just watched a team yesterday with the starting quarterback under center with Derek Willies, Rashard Higgins, and Jalen Strong march down the field like it was Oklahoma. I mean, like that was that's what we saw. So for from Callaway's perspective, that's what he's missing out on. He's missing out on four games to be able to produce in that kind of offense. And that and obviously it it, it can't get stated enough. Four games with no paycheck. I mean that that's that that'll if that doesn't wake you up not much else is going to. So it, it's just, it's, it's tough, but I think hopefully it, four games is not, it's a quarter of the season, obviously, but you want to be in, just make it so he's in a great position to succeed in week five when you go to San Francisco Monday night. It'll hurt him in the uh, pocketbook, but it'll also open a, at least a temporary quarter of the season spot for potentially another guy to make the roster because you yeah. know that when you make narrow down that 53 man roster, Antonio Callaway is going to be on the, on the suspended list. So you've got another spot open, which means another spot is open for these guys who are battling at the bottom half of the, of the wide receiver depth chart to attempt to win a job. And, and right now guys like Jalen strong guys like Derek Willies, Ishmael Hyman, they should all be a little perked up because guess what? It might not mean a job for the whole year, but it, it's rare that you guarantee that in this league. It's a job for four games. It's an NFL paycheck for four games. Yep. That goes a long way for some of these guys. Exactly. Absolutely. So, you know, not all negatives in this suspension. Yeah. Uh, the statement from Antonio Callaway, I take full responsibility for my actions. I made a mistake, and I own that. I have taken steps to make myself better, and I appreciate the Browns standing by me and supporting me during this time. I know there's nothing I can say to regain trust it will all be about my actions, and frankly, that's where it needs to stay. It's on him here going forward uh, to de- to determine and decide uh, if he's going to be on the straight and narrow or if we're going to continue to have issues. Yeah. All right. Uh, last night we played a football game, and it was pretty impressive. And it started off with a two-minute drill from the offense. Baker Mayfield under center, the only possession that he played – Last night, and five of six, 77 yards. Derek Willies probably should still be running sprints for trying to one-hand that catch. <laughs> uh, the only thing that kept it from being a perfect march right down the field, two-minute drill, Hollywood Higgins with a 24-yard touchdown. Thank you, Baker, for your service. Enjoy the rest of your night off. Pretty impressive without Odell, without Jarvis Landry. Obviously, Washington d- didn't have a couple of their defensive guys, but a pretty impressive uh, – quick peek into that offense and what it's going to be for the fans in attendance. It was just another example of Freddie Kitchens catching a team flat-footed. 
I mean, that's that that's what happens. I mean, when even though it ended in an interception, when he broke out the wishbone uh, against the Falcons, Falcons had no idea what was going on. And really, no one in the stadium outside the guys around the offense had any idea what was going on. All of a sudden, we're seeing four running backs out there. He's done this a number of times. He likes to keep other teams guessing, throw that wrinkle out there. And I think it showed us what we've been saying for a while watching Baker in camp. He looks so much, I wouldn't say more comfortable, but there's like an extra level of Baker when he's in a two-minute offense. It just just works. It's the way he's done it in college. Everything just flows very well. And, again, I asked Rashard after the game, I was like, what does it say about you guys that you did all this without Jarvis and Odell? He's like, it's scary, right? And that's that's the the message that was kind of sent last night. Even though it's a preseason game, it it just that's that's the one takeaway you want to see happen is your first team groups do well, and that's what we saw last night. Yeah, it's it's commonly said that you know there's two types of people: there's people who wilt in moments of adversity, and those who rise to the occasion. And I think Phil Dawson talked about this last week when he was in here on the BPA. And and honestly, I think Baker is that guy. Baker is the guy who you know adversity created by uh, a faster pace might make some guys uncomfortable, inaccurate. He thrives. He absolutely thrives in it. It makes me wonder, you know, when you talk about the different things that Freddie Kitchens has done in his short time running the offense with Baker Mayfield, you know, with having Baker Mayfield at quarterback and, and the potential that he has and also what he's already demonstrated and where he could go, if you have that guy and you pair him with someone like Freddie Kitchens, it makes me wonder, will he ever stop catching defenses flat-footed? Because ideally you'd say, yeah, eventually you get a big enough book enough tape that somebody's going to be prepared for something. But at the same time, you don't want to be a Sean McVay going to the Super Bowl and watch too much tape and flood your brain with information. So I think that's a weapon that a lot of people probably haven't considered in this pairing of Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens. Because you have the guy at quarterback and you have a good rapport with him, a good relationship, and you can trust him, you can do whatever you want offensively. And we could see things like this from this offense all year, which makes them that much more dangerous than they already are. Well, and I look at it, you know, there are days Baker doesn't look as crisp at practice. There are, he has moments in every practice where it just clicks and it just makes you go, he's, he's got to be trying things. He's got to be working on various things here because last night was perfect. Yeah. And every time they've been in a situation like that in practice, he just elevates above everyone else. Now, he did say afterward last night, you know, we, we, we do have to run the ball. We have to slow it down a little bit. We have to be able to slow it down a little bit to burn clock if we need to. And for one other big reason, maybe to keep your defense from being completely exhausted by halftime. But he just plays at such an impressive level when the game is really on the line and when it matters. That's a good point because there's really there's not many teams in college football that run that kind of offense that also have a good defense. Yeah. It's yeah. it's tough to do. I mean yeah. you're you're really leaving your guys exposed out there. So there is there is something to that. But this is something that you know you can go to in, in moments when you maybe you're sluggish on offense, things just aren't working. This is this is an area where your sweet spot where you can go to and, and know that your quarterback thrives best in it. Now, so I'm going to say something and preface it with this is not necessarily the exact way you want to win games, but it does remind me a little bit, not because I was present because I was not alive at this time, but the cardiac kids. I mean, that was a team that had to come back over, you know, multiple deficits over the course of a couple seasons uh, to win football games, and they had to do it in the final few minutes of the game 
it was a thrilling performance. If this team has that potential, it's it just adds another layer to the possibilities because you could even have a deficit in a game. You could come out slow, but if you have the the ability to erase leads that quickly, move the ball that quickly, and so far that's been their best form is the no huddle, is the up tempo offense. If you can do that consistently, you're in every game no matter what the score is, and I think that just adds uh, more value to to paying attention to this team all year. Defensively, just as impressive last night and. We could talk about the veterans, and we could talk about Miles Garrett and how holding penalties should be counted as a stat based on defensive linemen and being able to cause holding penalties. But the rookies came to play last night. Greedy Williams with an interception. Mac Wilson with a pick six and another interception. Taki Taki all over the field. A very impressive night for the young players on this defense. Yeah, definitely. I think Mac was probably the biggest highlight of the night. That interception return for a touchdown was a huge play and also a great illustration of the type of athlete he is. I mean, it was subtle, but when he picked the ball off and was running through the defense and had the awareness to switch ball hands before stiff-arming the last guy in his path, who was Dwayne Haskins. That just blew my mind. I mean, I, I, it took me a while to get over it because I was like, you don't see a guy who is a defender who is playing linebacker, who has the ball in his hands. First off, he's probably going to look a little uncomfortable with the ball in his hands because they're not handling it that much. And secondly, you don't see him looking down the field and eyeing up an opponent going, I'm going to need to use my right arm to stiff arm, so let me switch ball hands so I can do that and get in the end zone. That's the type of athlete he is. And, you know, I was a little one of the ones who was more reserved on, on Mac so far, but, man, this last week he's had, oh, if he keeps up at this pace, he's going to be a phenomenal player, and he's doing a great job. Yeah, I mean, I was impressed. I, I liked Greedy Williams' resilience to bounce back because I think clearly when you look at the tape, I don't know if it's directly his fault, but he was certainly in the area of blame with, with uh, a blown coverage that led to Washington's only touchdown. I mean, I think that it shows that you can bounce back out there, and I think he was I think he was feeling it too. I think the way he reacted to that interception, I think he was excited about it, and I think that's a good sign. I think it's interesting to see that he stepped in for Denzel Ward. Terrence Mitchell manned his spot. Now, does that mean when Denzel Ward comes back, it's going to be Denzel and Terrence Mitchell, or is this competition ongoing? Because Terrence Mitchell's played awesome the last week and a half. I mean, he's been really good. Uh, but to know that you have Greedy as that that other option, uh, he I think he he looks he looks more comfortable than you would expect from a second rounder. I think in that scenario, you're probably going to go with Terrence Mitchell as a starter if he if he continues to perform the way he is, because there's no way you can leave him off the field in the starting lineup based yeah. on how he's played this camp. I mean, you just can't. But having the luxury of, of being able to include Greedy, which is probably going to be a lot because we don't see three line, you know, a base defense out of this defense really ever. It's usually just two linebackers. That means he's going to see the field a lot. But uh, Freddie did say indirectly, he kind of admitted last night after the game, somebody asked him, was it Greedy's fault? And he's like, I'm not going to say whether it was. And then like he kind of elaborated and said, should Greedy have maybe been in the in the deep third? Do I or do I want him deeper in the deep third zone next time? Yeah, I do. Basically, he was playing cover three and he didn't take his zone all the way to the end zone. That's why it was wide open. But it's a rookie mistake, and like you said, he bounced back. All right. So we talked about offense. We talked defense, special teams. Uh, we got to see some punts from the Scottish Hammer. We got to see some kicks from guys, and we really don't know anything more about the kicking competition. Uh, other than I think it still continues to be pretty wide open, Gribbs. Yeah, definition of an up-and-down night. You had a holding penalty on the first kickoff, put you in real bad field position on the opening drive. Thankfully, you had an offense that couldn't be stopped, and it didn't matter how many yards they had to go. They could have scored on 200 yards. Yep. I, I think they were moving at a, at a clip that, <laughs> I mean, they were moving so well it didn't matter. Uh, and then, so starting more with a bad, Greg Joseph missed another extra point. That was an area of concern for him last year. 
Uh, I thought he he was better. He you felt better with him on field goals than he did extra points last year. Uh, and as he showed last night, got the leg, made his forty three yarder, was absolutely perfect. Seibert made his extra points, never got a field goal opportunity. And then you had, of course, had the, the punt return for a touchdown. I mean, that, so that was literally up and down. Uh, but the highs last night were better than any of the highs we saw last year. So I'll take that, and I'll take only one penalty on special teams. If you if you if this team can have just one penalty on special teams, and if it's in an inconsequential quarter where you still score on the drive, I'm fine with that. It's just the excessive ones that really put you in a bind. That's like as close as you can get to special teams heaven without you know going penalty free for an entire game. I think Mike Prefer's work is definitely evident. It was evident last night. Uh, you don't get a lot of looks at at the return teams because you don't really run that full speed in practice because of the injury consequences. Correct. You know, there's, the risk is too high. But we got to see that in Damon Sheehy, Giuseppe's punt return last night, and and he did make a lot of that. Uh, you know, a lot of that return was his achievement, but also. You had DJ Montgomery way downfield getting that last block that really sprung him to finish that long punt return. So, you know, those are guys who are aware, who are who continue to play all the way through the, through the whistle. And uh, and so I think, you know, they, they are making inroads. But, yeah, right now, kicker, we're, I mean, you know, we're basically at the same spot we were at before. Hopefully we get more kicking opportunities. There, I feel like we missed one last night right before the half when we the Browns were in field goal range, and then there was a holding penalty on Dontrell Hilliard, which then backed them out of field goal range and ended in a sack because they just had to try to throw the ball up. So we probably could have gotten to see an Austin Seibert lengthy kick there. Didn't get to. Hopefully we see those next week. All, all credit to John Doss there. He had to get a sideline interview with a very hot Freddie Kitchens at that moment. Freddie was not happy. No. No, because that was what he wanted. He had the perfect situation lined up to kick a long field goal for his kicking competition, and it got messed up. And in a real game, that would have been a huge deal because I think some people wanted him to kick that field goal with 11 seconds just so he could ensure the field goal. But, no, he treated it like you would a normal game. You want to get some more yards for your guy, uh, and then you just mess it up and get out of range. And then you let a sack at the end. You let your quarterback get hit at the end. I mean, it was it was a, it was a nightmare finish to that half, and he was reacting as if it was the Super Bowl out there. And then credit to John Doss for sticking it out. Sti- yes, yeah, <laughs> sticking out. Did the sideline interview is all good. I also think there's a little bit of an interesting illustration of how they might treat this kicking competition because if you set up a guy for a chip shot and then you set up the other guy for a long field goal. And let's say the guy makes a chip shot and the other guy misses the long field goal. If people try to analyze that, and I know they're not worried about outside expectations or whatever else, but if you if somebody's going to analyze that just by made or missed field goals, one guy's going to have a decided advantage over the other, sure. even though we're not considering distance. So in this case, last night, fourth and one, t- Freddie decides to test his medal of his offense when they're on the one-yard line and they hand off to Dontrell Hilliard. Did they score? No, but they also didn't settle for three. I thought that was interesting. The Gi- Giuseppe moment. Is just fantastic. Oh, yeah. For everything he's been through, and you've had the story on ClevelandBrowns.com for months, uh, on your Twitter handle for months. It, the, his story, and, and whatever happens with him happens down the road here. He's clearly opened his eyes or opened some people's eyes on this football team, and I'm pretty sure some other teams around the league have taken notice now based on what he did last night. But just an awesome moment, and, and Jim Donovan's call – last night was perfect it was like that is a team out there that is a group of guys that is they are all together and they are all in sync and they the love that they showed for him last night it was just a great moment absolutely you know today when I went to talk to Jalen Strong for that interview um he he said hold on before we talk I that's Sheehy over there at the podium I gotta go get a picture of my guy Sheehy and he walks over and takes a video of him on his Instagram points at him you know that's my guy it's Sheehy you know 
they they love each other and and this guy especially because he's working really hard you know he before he went to the podium today he's working out in his helmet and a weight vest and he walks over and a I go, so are you going to wear that in your interview? And he goes, oh, wait, I, I got to go over there? And I said, yeah, in front of the backdrop. This is your moment, man. And, and I hope he gets another one. And I think his teammates agree. Yeah, it was, just, it was cra- crazy to see. And it took me a second to even realize what was happening when those guys ran on the field. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is, this is happening. They yeah. were running down the field with him. As yeah. he was running, they were running with him. I, I mean, I pointed it out to Donovan. I go, the whole team has cleared the bench. They were on the field oh, yeah. running with him. It was just, a mo- mob scene. Just a fantastic moment. So that is, uh, that's what happened. Those are our thoughts from the game. Uh, right now, Nick Shook had a chance to go one-on-one. You just mentioned it with Jalen Strong, who's been playing very, very well and battling for those last wide receiver spots. Really come on strong here in the last week. Have a listen. How are you feeling so far after about two weeks of camp in a preseason game? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, um, I think, better than I've ever felt from a um, health and physical standpoint. Um, entering, you know, we've going on two weeks, three weeks now. I'm not really sure, but I feel pretty good. We had kind of talked about this in the offseason a little bit with your position coach, uh, Adam Henry. He said that you had spent some time trying to remake your body a little bit. Uh, what can you say about that? Um, I just, you know, whatever I, I, I didn't like about myself um, from previous years, you know, I just wanted to try something new and different, and that's taking care of my body, eating different, and just putting in the work and trying to be able to just play a full NFL season and do whatever I need to do to have a team, you know, depend on me to do whatever they need me to do. Did you get leaner? I gained more muscle mass and then my body fat decreased. So, and I, I feel it, you know, I feel stronger than I've ever felt. You've been with this team now, you know, what, four or five months? Since yeah, around then. Um, has, have you hit a point now where you feel like you've kind of turned a corner with them? Um, actually, I feel like there's a lot of work to be done. I do feel... Now I do um, feel like I made some improvements and um, things to, to better my situation here in Cleveland, but it's just about what being consistent every day. It's not really about you know what I've done. It's about what can I do going forward, and that's more important to me than anything. Just giving you know Coach Freddie, Coach Henry, Coach Preef, those guys, giving those guys the the thought that they could depend on me in any situation. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do, just go out there and work every day and be consistent as much as possible. It seems like you might be earning that trust. You seem to be getting more reps of the ones or at least the twos but up in the top of the twos. Um, yeah, I just, like I said, I just focus on what I can control, and that's whenever I get the opportunity to go all out 100% and just try to show the coaches just from my play. Now, I don't really, I'm not really the biggest talker. You know, everybody knows that, but from when I get on the field, just trying to show the, the coaches, you know, that I want to be here for my play. At what point through the whole knee injury and everything else did you did, this, did you even have this thought ever occur to you that, you know, maybe I might never play again? Of course. Uh, about towards the end of it, when, you know, you start getting better, you start getting stronger, but you feel like you've been forgotten about. So um, it gets real, gets tough, but, you know, I stayed focused and I had a great support system and, stayed locked into what the mission was and now you know things are looking good and no matter what just I'm thankful to be in this opportunity you know I'm just thankful that the Browns gave me an opportunity to come in and work out for them I'm thankful that they still had me here with them in camp because a year ago I wasn't in camp at all so I look at things differently um, and I just feel like I'm blessed any way you look at it. Did you get any other calls before the Browns? 
Uh, no, I didn't. I, I, I had a workout with the Raiders, but it wasn't really, like, major interest there. They were going through a new GM change right when right after I worked out. They got, like, a new GM or something, so it was, like, no interest there anymore. And then the Browns called late, uh, mid to late February, and then I, I, I felt the interest there. I felt the love as soon as I got here, and I wanted to perform for them, and they brought me in. Do you feel like you're benefiting a little bit from playing with Baker? Of course, because I like Baker a lot because he has great communication. You know, if he doesn't like something, he tells you. And when he really likes something, he tells you. So um, that's big for any receiving quarterback to have a quarterback that communicates the way he does. And then, you know, all the quarterbacks communicate well. And, um, you know, that that's big for us. It makes our job, you know, easier. You know, they already have a whole lot of stuff they have to do. And for them to take the time out and get with us and communicate, the little details with us helps us a lot as well. I saw you kind of do that today at the end of practice where there was an incompletion where it looked like there might have been some PI and he came and asked you, did he, did he push through your back? Yeah. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about here? Oh yeah, definitely. That That's the communication. Um, um, not exactly that, but you know, the fact that he, he cares, you know, he sees things the way we see things. And I think that's that's big, especially for him to be you know, I, I keep forgetting he's young. You know, it's 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 crazy that you know he's he's where he is in his career, and it's exciting to see, you know, a guy like him to be able to throw you the ball. You're still pretty young too, though. Oh yeah, I'm 25, but I I, I I've been around the league for a little bit. Where do you ultimately think you see yourself with this team? Ultimately, I wonder where I want to see myself is here. Uh, you know. When it's all when when the 53 is all said and done, but you know, like I said, it's not. I just focus on things I can control, and um, what I can control is going out there every rep, every day, every practice, giving it my all, taking the coaching, and doing anything that I need to do to stay here and be here with the Browns. This is where I want to be. You feel like you've improved a lot since you got here? Oh, definitely. Um, from a physical standpoint, you know, Coach Larry in the weight room. He does. He got me right. He has an excellent strength strength uh, staff. They do their, they do an amazing job, and they all help me work through my, you know, the ending of my rehab, but still strengthening my quad and my knee. And I think you know people can see that I'm getting more comfortable out there every day, every rep. Um, just you know coming off the injury. Do you ever think about it when you're out there, your knee? Never. I never think about it. But that's what I don't think any football players think about. Once the ball snap, they just go. But um. I never think about it. We appreciate Jalen Strong's time. And uh, Shook, here's a guy that kind of struggled a little bit early on to get it going. But in the past week and a half, much like Antonio Callaway, some things have clicked. He's gotten comfortable. He's making plays now. You know, he spent the whole last year out of the league. He's coming off an ACL injury. There were times where he thought, you know, maybe he, he might never play again. Uh, and he has made the most of his opportunity, especially late, but it does take a while for you to get comfortable, both in a new environment with a new team and also coming off such a massive injury like that. You know, this is a guy who thrived on his athleticism and had to basically rebuild his way all the way back up, and he's also rebuilt his body, like you said, so you know, it's all kind of coming together, and I, and I think he's really benefited from playing with a, a guy like Baker Mayfield. You know, he talked about it in the interview, he just seems to be – the type of receiver that fits the mold or, you know, it, within a system that Baker would like to target. He's not your number one, but he, much like Rashard Higgins, you know, I think he could make a similar contribution if he were to land on a roster, on this roster, and, and get the opportunities. And he's gotten them so far. He's really made the most of them the last 
you know, week and a half. Yeah, I was initially skeptical of his candidacy. And because I thought I thought his skill set might be redundant sure. with what you know, what with what else you have on hand. But it really does look like he's found a niche. And I think at this stage, when you see a guy get this many first team reps, you've got to be a believer and, and see that this guy's impressing the coaches to the point where now you're and then now you add in the extra spot you're going to have uh, with Antonio Callaway for the first four weeks. Uh, I'd say he's in a really good position. He just needs to keep it up. All right. So, again, today's practice. There's not a lot to talk about. I mean, they were in shorts. First time in 10 days that they have not been in pads. And you don't want to read too much into who was out there because there was a lot of guys out there that haven't been for a while, but that's because this team's been in pads for nine days. First day they weren't in pads. A lot of guys are out there that are hurt, but they might be back on the sidelines tomorrow when they they start hitting again. So tomorrow we we are back to action, and I would think it's the tune-up in preparation for Indianapolis. What are you looking for tomorrow? I think it'll be back to normal. I think today was maybe a just a you know walk through, kind of go through, work on some things, get some starters, get their legs, keep moving. You also have that practice Monday too, so we'll see how hard they go at it next Monday. But I think Freddie Kitchens really wants to show the best that the Browns have to offer in these two practices in Indianapolis. So it wouldn't it wouldn't even surprise me tomorrow and Monday are not as as physical as we grew accustomed sure. to. Uh, but you know they're going to get some work done. Yeah, I would agree. Today felt like a almost like a walkthrough in season, or just felt like a regular in season practice where you're not hitting, you know, at all. You don't have the pads on, and and it just kind of it was a little bit cooler out. There was a breeze. It was a different time of day. Felt like a mid season practice, but with a bunch of fans in attendance. And there's nothing wrong with that the day after a game. And I think the, the they're going to prepare properly to go against a team that made the playoffs last year, and is going to be a very good test for them starting in the trenches and moving outward. So I, I think he'll have his guys ready to go, and that'll include couple days of hitting uh nice breeze today too good key great. thought from both yeah. of you on that the breeze was fantastic we could use that again tomorrow and again on monday and maybe in indianapolis when it's going to be really hot uh one final thing before i let you guys go uh because it was a busy news week news 48 hours i guess uh duke johnson traded to the houston texans um john dorsey making in my opinion a pretty amazing get uh, with a team, you know, negotiating with a team that didn't have a GM and taking advantage of the situation uh, for with a coach who I think is in a win now uh, situation. Yeah, timing caught me a little off guard, but the ultimate yeah. decision to make a move didn't, especially when you see the compensation. I think that that's where it made the most sense, uh, and it makes you maybe a little worried about your current depth at running back. But at the same time, I think it's a position where. That, that there's a reason that you can find some guys. And I think that that's what they'll be looking for. Wouldn't surprise me if you add a, a body or two in the next few weeks. And then, obviously, if you're talking about potential waiver claim additions, that might be a position you hit uh, on, on after cut day. Yeah, there's going to be some quality running backs who are you know released around the league when cut down day arrives. And, and you know, the, the staff also believes in Dontrell Hilliard. And even Dearness Johnson's doing a little bit of stuff out there that, that could make you think, well, maybe he'll make this roster. So, you know, you're not going to have Kareem Hunt for the first eight games. Nick Chubb is the bona fide number one back in this backfield, and it's very clear that he can handle both running the ball and catching it. And, uh, you know, you, you got some potential in Hilliard, who didn't have a great preseason game, but definitely— Got to hold on to the football, yeah, son. I, I think he'll work on that, and, and I don't think they're too worried about the depth situation going forward. So, you know, solid deal, and uh, I think we all kind of knew it was coming eventually. All right, time to prepare for Indianapolis. A practice on Saturday, a practice Monday, and then we go to Indy for two days of joint practices with the Colts. That'll wrap up a Friday for Andrew Gribble. For Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. 
You can download this podcast wherever you get your podcast or by logging on to clevelandbrowns.com. This has been the best podcast available. Podcast.